Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is part two of our Young Guns double episode. In our last episode, we talked about the original Young Guns movie. This episode features the classic Young Guns 2. So if you're a Young Guns completist, you can listen to that one first and come on back and join us for Young Guns 2. Welcome to The Hold Up. Each month, we pick a movie one of us remembers fondly but hasn't seen in years, watch it, and we decide, does it hold up? I'm John Nelson. And I'm John Longino. Thanks for coming on back. Oh, yes. Hopefully, uh, it hasn't been too long of a wait for this next one. <laughs> well, maybe, for all of you. Maybe moments? I don't know. I was going to say, for, weeks. for most of you, it'll probably be instantaneous. Uh, for us, it's been a night. We we yes. uh, we took a break and believe decided. it or not, as much as I love Young Guns, well now Young Guns because that first one was great, and then Young Guns too. I, I we are sort of old and like <laughs> a double feature is a little exhausting. So we we sort of took a day off and then came back for this one. Yep, but we're here. We are ready and refreshed. And oh, uh, yeah, because I want to be one hundred percent awake. That's for right. This one that that's my plan. I don't want to miss a moment of this amazing. <laughs> Blaze of glory that is Young Guns 2. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, so it's interesting. We should talk about, um, if you remember, in part one of, of this episode, I kind of gave this whole spiel about how the first time I saw Young Guns 2. And I guess it's a, uh, just to remind everybody, like, I'd never seen Young Guns 1, and I saw this with my family. And so, like, no joke, this was a huge deal with me and my cousins and my brother. Young Guns 2 is like a moment in our lives that has shaped our friendships, like <laughs> our, our family memories and everything. It's like a really significant moment for, for the Longino family. Is it on your family crest now? It, it might as well be. In Unigus um, Gunnus Dos. Yeah. The, the, the bit of the story where I talk about uh, over the week, we were having a family reunion that we had a fake rock band that was our group that would that is like the most memorable thing for me like even over the movie was like we all saw the movie we all loved it and then we decided hey we're gonna be a rock group and we're gonna be called young guns and we came up with as as i described uh last time we came up with this like gang sign that was basically it's sort of hard to describe in a podcast but imagine you have both hands or finger guns and then you're crossing them in the center like in front of you like a dual pistol, like kind of thing, and then you flash it up, like yeah, like that was our 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 young guns band, like sign. And so I'm, there, I'm fairly positive there's some gang somewhere in Southern LA that actually has that. Oh, I'm that's sure their, that's yeah. their actual gang. So we what should, you're doing, we should is, probably be careful because we might actually get shot or something. Yeah, you're probably flashing like you know the 32nd <laughs> Street you know Crips or something like that. But like if you go through family albums, like prior to this this week where we saw Young Guns, it's just us as kids like going around whatever. Then from this moment in 93 to, to literally today, <laughs> you could find every picture of my brother and me and my cousins. And we're doing this sign in <laughs> all of them, like like from age like seven to like 30s, you know, like, like all of them. Like I, I mentioned it, but it's totally true. I have wedding photos with my cousins and me and my brother doing it. Grown ass men. Young guns. Yeah. We none of us remember fucking anything about the movie, <laughs> but we just remember. I mean, I remember some things about the movie, but th this is like the thing to me was like this moment in time when we saw it. Are you going to post some of those pictures up on our uh, Instagram? Yeah, account? no, we totally should. I should actually walk you over where one is framed on the wall. <laughs> 
and along with many other family photos and go hey look here it is so yeah yeah we should totally put one up on instagram i think that would be hilarious i, I think the proof is in the pudding and uh, if you go to our instagram account at hold up podcast you will see john longino in his youth flashing gang signs and uh, uh tempting fate <laughs> Uh, so okay, well, I've, speaking of which, well, since I, you, technically the one uh, that we'll probably put up won't actually be me in my youth. It'll be it'll be the wedding photo okay. I'm talking about. It's me in my wedding. Well, that I, is, I'd have let's to, be honest, that is you in your youth. Yeah, yeah. Now you're old. <laughs> that's, that's that's totally fair. <laughs> old guns. That's a, that should be the new band name. Right. Super old guns. Old guns too. <laughs> um, all right. So I mean, I, I'm guessing that you've probably seen it less recently than me i feel like i've seen it between now and the time it came out so you tell me you've seen it like what 10 times you said i said i that's an exaggeration i'd say at least like four or five times but it was all like i said it was all in that week like like some family member rented that movie (laughs) put it on the entire family watched it while we were all hanging out all the cousins and everybody we loved it and then proceeded to watch it all week long so i saw it many many times but only in this one week period in 1993 and my memory is terrible. I may or may not like have like a few years later in like junior high or maybe even in high school, like might have dusted it off and, and watched it or watched some of it. But I don't really remember. Blockbuster got their copy back and then like, why? Is yeah, we, this was a fresh <laughs> copy. And this thing, it looks like it's been worn what through happened? a ringer. Yeah. My God. Uh, well, uh, okay. So tell me all about what right. do you remember about Young so, Guns 2? Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, like I said, I hadn't seen the first one. So now that we had just watched the first one yesterday, uh, it, it sort of has kickstarted some memories of the second one. Mm. Now, plot-wise, it, it's pretty rough, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but I knew what was hilarious was I remembered people that were in Young Guns 2, and then those that were in Young Guns 1 that I didn't remember I could pretty quickly mark for death. Right. Like, like I, like I remember I didn't know Charlie Sheen was in young guns. And so I was like, well, he's definitely dead. (laughs) Right. Um, but what, what I vividly remember is, is like the main people. I remember Kiefer Sutherland. I remember Emilio Estevez. I remember Lou Diamond Phillips. They're back. They're still in it. I think if I recall, I think like Christian Slater is in it. Yes. Cause I was sort of surprised he wasn't in the first one. Yeah, I think his star actually rose between the time Young Guns came out and, like, I, I don't know this for a fact, so don't quote me on it, but I feel like Young Guns came out and then he had, like, Heather's cuffs and a couple other things. Oh, yeah, and like, so oh, we got just like, on the on the gang. Yeah, it was just another, like, one of those, like, well, he's one of those teenage heartthrobs, throw him in. Yeah, the regulators took a few hits. We need to, to thicken up the ranks. Hilariously, his character does not, I mean, it... it my memory is that his character feels like they added him at the last minute. It's like, well, we need a really? part for Christian Slater. Like, well, literally, he wasn't in the script. Like, he wasn't in the script, and they're okay. just like, well, just add some guy who's, you know, kind of Jack Nicholson-esque, and then yeah. he'll make a lot of smart-ass remarks, and, and who cares if he lives or dies? <laughs> right. What Honestly, what I the plot-wise, what I remember the absolute most about the movie is the very, very, very beginning of the movie begins very strikingly where if I recall, it's Emilio Estevez in like old man makeup. Right. And he's Billy the Kid. And I think there's like a reporter or something like I don't really remember. But I know there's a scene where a guy's talking to him and he's like, just so you know, I'm Billy the Kid and I'm dead. <laughs> like I died. And he's like, so it's it's almost like I think old Billy the Kid is like the narrator of the movie from what I remember. Right. And he's talking about how he's talking as if he's dead. So he's like a fucking ghost or something. I don't know. 
that just doesn't quite make sense to me. But like, <laughs> I remember that being like, what is he talking about? Like, and so as we, as we talked about last time, I know Pat Garrett, you know, shoots him as they even said in the end credits, like, and Billy the Kid was shot by, by Pat Garrett. Right. So I like it. That's all I kind of remember. But I remember, so Pat Garrett was like a cameo guy in the first movie. I remember he's like a, a main character. And I didn't remember who the actor was, but you mentioned that it's um, William, Peterson. William Peterson. Yeah. yeah. So I know he's like a much more prominent. I, like from what I think, this movie revolves much more around the events that lead up to Billy the Kid's death. Right. And I mean, if memory serves plot wise, it's like the young guns are there, but it's really just, well, they were in the first one. And obviously people right. are going to wonder what happened to Keith or Sutherland. But it's really about Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Yeah, because I think it's like there's a huge bounty on Billy the Kid. He's like a wanted man. And right. the movie's about like, I'm going to guess like people come in to collect or something. And then there's this betrayal from Pat Garrett who right. like shoots him in the back. Well, historically, like Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett rode together at some point, and right. I'm going to show my ignorance here. But I don't know exactly how that worked out, but they were partners or friends or acquaintances at one point. And then Pat Garrett basically took a deal because he was also kind of a wanted guy, or if not wanted, he was kind of you know shady, and and they kind of um, caught him up and said, "Hey, well, you're either going to hunt Billy the Kid, or we're going to put you in jail." He's like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" Right. Well, even in the first movie, he kind of mentions like, yeah, I might become a lawman, you know, right. like just randomly. Yeah, he was sort of infamous on his own. And then he, uh, you know, reportedly shot Billy the Kid in the back. Right. Um, now, I guess historically what happened, I mean, this is all from memory, so forgive me, folks. But I believe what you were seeing, the, the, the framing device of Young Guns 2 was actually based on a real event where an old man popped up and said, I'm Billy the Kid. I didn't... I, I, Pat Garrett didn't shoot me. They said that he shot me, but I didn't. I actually survived, and he tried to convince this reporter that he was Billy the Kid. Oh, okay. So that was actually so based on like a... rip from the headlines. Yeah, it was a real-life event. Right. There was some dude who claimed huh. to be, you know, the surviving Billy the Kid. Um, so even that, in its weirdness, is... Uh, historically justified crazy so it's not um, just them being looney tunes no like, it's not okay. them even making it up which is funny because you think oh that just seems like a hollywood framing device and it's like no they actually you know took the time to find something right. you know that that historically matches so that's kind of cool that's the funny thing about these movies is that they don't have to do the things they're doing it's like oh mtv cowboys who gives <laughs> right. a shit and it's like they're 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 sticking to the script yeah kind of, kind of yeah. their dedication to verisimilitude is kind of admirable <laughs> i think i'm it's sure like they don't have to do any of this they could just like yeah Kiefer sutherland and billy the kid dueled and you know all this other horse shit and and then aliens landed and then aliens oh, landed and billy the kid yeah. fought aliens like in that <laughs> 1930s movie it's great um but yeah i kind of admire right. that they're sort of sticking to the story although my memory of the plot is that it's very like you know we sort of discussed this in the last part it's like the first movie sort of had the benefit of well it can be sprawling and it can be epic and a lot of time could pass and then this one it's like well we've got about six months between right. the events of the lincoln <laughs> county war and billy the kid's death or however long sure. it was it's like we've got to cover a lot of ground so let's make up a bunch of shit that maybe right. did or didn't happen so, like some of the other things i sort of vaguely flash in my mind or well i remember that it kind of stood on its own at least from my point of view because i hadn't seen the first one right but that sort of opening of like hey i'm old man billy the kid and let me tell you my tale right very much felt to me like oh this might as well be like its own movie i don't I, to my memory i don't think they discuss the events of the first movie like all that much right like, so I never really had an issue just kind of watching it and following it. I mean, I didn't really know 
the backstory of the the like regulators and how they all met each other, you know, and and that they united over this injustice of their kind of father mm-hmm. figure being shot down or whatever. That that context in the first movie w- was good to get for me, right? But I, I remember it sort of stands on its own, and then the literally the only other thing I got for you is like I vividly remember a scene where there's a coffin <laughs> and Kiefer Sutherland. Very much like Emilio Estevez doesn't when he jumps out of the kind of like suitcase at the end of the first movie right. where they throw it out. I remember key, I believe it's key for Sutherland busts out of a coffin like dual wielding pistols and just guns a bunch of people down. And I remember right. thinking it was so awesome. As a kid. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking great. And I also think like we talked about how um, Billy the Kid is sort of portrayed as like a on the edge psycho in the right. first movie where he's just willy nilly slaughtering people, just shooting people with unarmed, laughing his ass off. Right. I don't remember him being quite as crazy in Young Guns 2. I think he they're more like sympathetic. Oh, OK. Like That's my interesting. yeah, my memory is they're, they, they they're essentially almost like Robin Hood heroes. Because mm. my memory of him is that like again, and I sort of discussed this previously so forgive me for repeating but my memory is that Emilio Estevez in the first movie kind of starts from a more subtle place and then by the end of the movie is this like like, laughing jackal who's just killing everything in sight so when you start the second movie he's already the laughing jackal just like crazily shooting I mean he's like putting guns on people and say hey I'll make you famous it's just like okay. threatening people's lives just willing. Maybe I just found him so appealing as a yeah, child sure. that he, he, he might as well have been a hero to me. Like, right. I was like, this guy's great. Much like, I mean, shit, man. When we watch Young Guns, I fucking loved every second of Emilio Vestas <laughs> being a nutcase. Right. Like, it should be appalling. Like, this guy's like, oh, my God, he's like a, a crazy murderer. Well, unlike, But everything's like, yes. Yeah, unlike a lot of movies where they, like, go to great pains to make some people, like, unsympathetic and you know just rotten and hard right. to like get i mean and a lot of westerns do this but i think this movie in particular had a, a real just way of like well the boys are sympathetic because they kind of don't know better they've been raised in bad circumstance and the people around them should know better and there are like moral like pillars like you know terrence stamp was a moral pillar in that yes. movie yeah you know terry o'quinn's a moral pillar so you have people who they can measure their morality by and it's just sort of relative like well yeah sure he's a psychopath but everybody in this fucking movie is a psychopath sure. of some kind it's, or another and it's also like jack palance started it right right kind of go like well they're sort of almost justified because that was fucked up yeah my memory of this movie is that it's a little less again it's less structured it's a lot more episodic it's just kind of billy running from pat garrett a lot of the time and you know facing bounty hunters randomly and there's not a lot yeah. of you know it's again it's like the boys get back together again just to get lost and wander in circles like they did in the first one with lou diamond phillips saying no we have to follow our spirit totem and go this way or right. whatever horse shit they you know throw in his mouth and you know Kiefer sutherland kind of saying you know in his own way like ah, i'm too old for this shit and i don't want to hang with you people <laughs> kind of the same characterization you saw in the first sure. one which if you hadn't seen the first one i can see where that would seem like really unique oh right because it doesn't feel like retreaded and rehashed right. yeah and then you have the added wrinkle of like christian slater who is just kind of a like compared to like dirty steve in the first one who's just kind of a dope and and his buddy who's like you know, Dirt, the pugilist. Dirt, by the way, Dirty Steve was very unlikable. I have to say, <laughs> it's just like a racist asshole, basically, right. with his his fucking chaw. Like, right. he sucked, man. Like, I'm all for an upgrade. Right, and Christian Slater is just sort of that like 
Yeah, we gotta kind of do things this way. We gotta do, you know, he's got that, like, he's the rebel, but for no particularly good reason, just sure. other than he's Christian Slater. Um, I like Christian Slater, so I'm, I I'm love into Christian it. Slater. I, w- I was the guy who, like, when Heather's came out, I was like, I found my new hero. Jack yeah. Nicholson was my hero before now, and now I have a man my age. <laughs> <he's> again. <laughs> um, the other thing I have a very strong memory of, actually one of my favorite moments of this movie is, um, I guess that behind the scenes, Lou Diamond Phillips actually broke his arm or had an arm oh, injury no shit, really? while they were filming, like fell off a horse or something. And they had to justify why his character was walking around with a busted uh, arm. So I guess they waited until he could film properly. And then they filmed a fight between him. And I don't know if it's Christian Slater or one of the other cats, but like they get into this real rough and tumble fight and then they pull knives on each other. And they're really like going for blood. And at one point the other guy hauls back. He's got, you know, Chavez, pinned to the ground and he's like hauling back to stab him and he brings the knife down and Lou Diamond Phillips brings up his arm to block himself and the knife just like chops right through it and it's again it's it seems weird to say like oh yeah he gets stabbed in the arm or whatever but I I don't think you've ever seen anything in a movie like it because they just both like they see the knife like sticking out of his arm and they just stop fighting because they're just both so horrified at it (laughs) and then they slowly like peel off and the dude comes over and takes his knife back and it's it and it's a really like to me it was like staggering because it's like oh there's all these movie fights and then there's suddenly this really visceral like oh my god he got a knife through his arm in kind wow. of a realistic way and it was just to cover up that his arm was broken right basically. just and it wow. was just a, it but was it's just, like a really cool scene yeah it's like okay. one of the coolest scenes in the movie to me and it was just That's there right. to solve a problem <laughs> it's funny how that kind of shit ends up leading to really cool stuff like that yeah every so often like oh we didn't have enough money or we couldn't film it because the sun was yeah. going down or it's, whatever it's else. always like the troubleshooting like how do we do this and then there's I think there's some part of people's brains that turn on and really create like that, that stress can create good stuff. Yeah. That being said, I, you know, for all I know, young guns too is like a flaming piece of shit. I have no idea. Yeah. And this scene is terrible. And we watch (laughs) it go, Oh yeah, obviously they were covering up his uh, bad wing with that one. All right. Got it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't remember it being as good as the first one, but ultimately I'm, I'm guessing it'll be a, a fun romp just like the first one was. Yeah. I think for me, because I, I, have an immense nostalgia for this movie. Now, even though I'm sitting here and like, I can't really give you the beats of the plot or anything. I have a suspicion as is quite usually the case that we're going to role play and that every scene is going to come up and I'm going to be like, Oh, right. Like, I think it's all like those neurons that have been like dormant for years are going (laughs) to fire. And I'm going to be like, right. Oh yes. 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 And then, like, I I think that nostalgia will really kick in. Right. And to me, it's like, I already watched the first one, which I'd never seen, and loved it. Right. So, I think that plus, like, a shitload of nostalgia is going to really skyrocket this. Like, I'm actually incredibly excited. So, would you put down for your bet that this is going to hold up then? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, bar, I mean, that, it would be a tragedy if it didn't. <laughs> and, you know, who knows? Maybe it won't. Maybe I'll go like, man, well, I was a dumb fucking kid. This movie sucks. Oh, but that but, would even be on its own kind of fun. Uh, but I'm, I think I will be having a great time. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm going to go with Holds Up because uh, I'm also hoping it'll take me back. To me, it'll take me back to my uh, days in Phoenix at the Dollar Theaters because I'm fairly certain that's how I saw this movie. I'm sure. Was, uh, it, this, this would be one of those first ones on this podcast that I actually saw in a theater. Because so. <laughs> uh, this was about the age that I figured out that I could leave my house away from my parents. Uh, great. Okay, so we both think it's going to hold up. Uh, anything else you want to reminisce about before we go and 
start this. So. Oh, I will just very briefly. I will say that I, I, I'm guessing, but from my vague, hazy memory, I feel like there's 50 to 75% more prostitutes in this one. I kind of <laughs> remember that as, especially as a young man, right? I think there's a bit of nudity, and I have some memory of like, I think there's some love interests with prostitutes. Right. I could be wrong, but I, that's what I think. Oh, and we must not go forward without mentioning the spectacular soundtrack album as created by John Bon Jovi. Oh, right. Because there's like a, a licensed song for it, right? I forgot the, the whole, song. He, sound, did, he, he, did the whole he did the whole soundtrack. Um, well, th- now this... You know what's funny? I didn't remember that. That very much explains the like band thing that like <laughs> right. me and my friend, my cousins and brother did. Because if it was just a big Bon Jovi soundtrack, that's just totally like hair metal band. Yeah, this was you know as I'm sure you probably know, back in the late '80s, the uh, Batman came out. The Michael Keaton Batman yep. came out. And, um, like Prince had a song and for that. Prince and, and for whatever reason, they had two soundtracks. There was the Danny Elfman score, which was awesome, and a whole Prince soundtrack, which was. On the one hand, I was a Prince fan and a Batman fan, so I was like, this is awesome. And the songs had zero to do with the movie. And, like, they appear in snippets in the movie. Yeah, like, I think two pretty prominently. There's, like, there's the one where they're in the parade. Right. And then there's the one where they're in, like, the art museum. Right. Those Party are Man and... Partly yeah. fe- or they're prominently featured. But other than that... Yeah, really. there's just, like, there's, like, a gambling scene that has, like, the, you know, the first couple of songs in it sure. or whatever. So then it became... Re- and that album was... Uh, enormously successful so it became a real like fad for like okay we'll pick one kind of rock artist to do the whole soundtrack to a movie and john bon jovi did a whole album called blaze of glory yes which featured the title oh, sound. wait wait right does it it's like it's like um something blaze of oh glory. Yeah, yeah yeah there's a song yeah, called yeah, yeah, yeah blaze i remember of glory. that holy oh, yeah. shit oh yes oh yes <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> I'm sure there were videos we could watch. I'm sure. Actually, if there is a John Bon Jovi video that I can link to online, I am going to do it for everybody once this episode comes out. Absolutely. I, I think this this warrants a whole YouTube video. Does Bon Jovi hold up? That's a whole nother question. I, I think so, but I think the music will be fine. It'll probably sound exactly I'm, like. Well, I'm just talking about his just him and oh him and like, <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> Shot through the heart. Or, excuse me. You give love a bad name. Right. I, don't, I don't mean to say the title wrong. Um, you know, I, I, cowboy. I'm guessing that the music. Oh no! Was, excuse me, dead or alive. <laughs> oh, uh, Kid I keep Rock. saying I keep saying the wrong titles of songs. Right, right. It's dead or alive, right? Is the oh name yes. Of the song. Right, but right, I was right. calling it cowboy. Well, I think that's where it started from. I mean, now I'm totally going off into like complete rumor, but I I believe they wanted to use wanted dead or alive right. for this soundtrack fit. they couldn't or couldn't afford it or didn't want to pay the money sure. or whatever so then they's like ah fuck it do a whole nother song Let's for us and then he did a whole album or whatever and i'm sure the music will sound slightly better than the 80s butt rock that was in <laughs> the first movie because well, the first one was just kind of generic like it didn't have any real songs it, was well, it just didn't have weird, any songs like... but it had that like i mean you described it it was sort of like guitar rock not yeah. quite western sort of with a country twang to it but it was more mtv than western a which lot is, of saxophone for some reason yeah so you actually likened it while we were watching it to the knight's tale which is like yeah the, the music sounded much more modern than and it was sort of anachronistic well, yeah not so much in the quality of the songs more right. more just in like oh we're not playing the traditional stuff we're playing like right. music you would never hear in a western yeah. right which I, you know stylistically i think Sometimes that can work phenomenally. I don't know if it necessarily... I mean, and it worked, I think, for Young Guns just fine because I think that they had figured out their tone. But, I mean, again, 
it was exactly MTV style and there was nothing like, oh my God, this song on its own is awesome. It's just what completely fits this moment completely fine. (laughs) So hopefully this one with its, you know, Bon Jovi soundtrack will be even better. I've even resisted listening to the John Bon Jovi soundtrack just for this night because I was like, oh, I want to hear that song again just to prepare. And I was like, no, no, I must stay pure. probably for the best because after tonight, we're going to be playing it on loop 24-7, you know, for the next several months. Well, it's definitely going to be on loop in my head. (laughs) It'll be earwigged uh, for the next three years. All right. Uh, Well, are you ready to go see this? Absolutely, I am. Let's go. Down in a blaze of glory. Yeah, Young Guns 2, here we go. It is therefore considered by the court that William H. Bonney be hanged till he be dead, dead, dead. You can go to hell, hell, hell. (laughs) Buenas tardes, amigos. You're not dead. Do I look dead? (laughs) The entire country is reading about our territory every day in the journals. Should we give them a proper burial? And they're not reading about our growth towards statehood. I never stole a horse from someone I didn't like. Nah, you just kill him. What they are reading about is a 21-year-old delinquent. What scum? Who is making us look like imbeciles. Politicians, bankers, cattle kings. Scum. I got 18 dimes in each barrel, boy. You're starting to believe what they're writing about you, aren't you? You wrote a 15-year-old boy straight into his grave. Goodbye, Bob. Best dollar radio I ever spent. <laughs> and the rest of us, straight to hell. I don't take to tenderfoots in my gang. It ain't your gang, Dave. That's how you're a thief. Thousand dollars, Mr. Garrett, to catch one. And all the resources you need to carry out the extermination. Just playing the game, Doc. Step one, William H. Bonnie. Even their horses are crazy. We'll give them the game, Lauren. They're starting to surround us. We gotta get out of here. Dave. It's your gang. What? It ain't my gang, it's your gang. It's always been your gang. Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Christian Slater, Balthazar Getty, Alan Ruck, James Coburn, and William Peterson as Pat Garrett. Yoo-hoo. I'll make you famous. Young Guns 2. And we're back. Yeah! Shot. Down <laughs> in a blaze of glory. Was well, he? Was he? Was he not? I don't know. I, well, definitely wasn't up a, in the air. If he shot, it wasn't in a blaze of glory. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. You, your reaction to the end was like, oh, that's different than the first yeah, one. <laughs> kind of just ended <laughs> out of just, nowhere, and, and there it was over. I guess. Uh, yeah, it was really yeah. interesting. This, I mean, uh, your initial thoughts on it, uh, having now seen it, you know. Yes. Well, uh, it was true what I said that while we were watching it, uh, flashes of everything was coming to me, and I was I remembered it as we were seeing it. Right. Um. So that happened. The other interesting thing uh, is having seen Young Guns uh, <laughs> yesterday, right, and now seeing this movie. I mean, one, I can see why I loved Young Guns too as a kid. Uh, but it's interesting. Like, I feel like as a like photographed shot scored like edited just kind of movie i felt like this one definitely had a lot more style and was like slicker looking yeah than the first one but i i gotta say and just in terms of like overall like joy of watching it i i think the first one's better yeah i think i agree i think the first definitely funnier yeah and it has a better story i think it has a much clearer through line and and you know a kind of 
you know, heroes you can relate to, uh, heroes, protagonists you can relate to. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's yeah, a but, savage killer. By the way, talk about memory being completely fucking off. Like, all, <laughs> everything I was like, yeah, I remember this and that. Like, I was way off. Like, one, <laughs> heroes, these guys were not. Like, no. they are e- maybe even more deplorable than, like, they are in the first movie. Yeah. They literally, like, lead a 14-year-old boy to his death. Yeah. I had just, forgotten that. Yeah. They're just complete assholes. Like, like they're in no way painted like heroes so that Which must have just been my thing. mind making that up i mean again they do a fairly good job of the you know the moral relativism of all the you know the protagonist versus the antagonist so you're still sort of like well they're the nicer bunch of uh outlaws sure. and crooks but they really i mean again they're killing people left and right they're just leaving a heap of bodies everywhere they go they don't really think ahead and this uh, the interesting thing about this movie is it sort of examined the morality of Billy the Kid a lot more yes. than the first one. The well, because in the first one, they they sort of have, like, a cause to get behind with their craziness. Like, yeah. it's all, like, revenge, right? Right. Like, they killed our mentor. Fuck them. We're going to drop bodies. Yeah. You can, you can sort of see the through line. And them sort of becoming villains in the process of it is sort of forgivable because it's like, well, it's extreme circumstances. Yeah. They like were they, sort of pushed sort of the wrong way. Yeah. This movie, like, okay, they're just hiding out and I guess they're just assholes. Like, right. I mean, the law's after them, but, you know, the the joy Billy the Kid takes in just murdering people and laughing is, I think at one point I was like, he's literally just the Joker in this movie. <laughs> like, like, there's no rhyme or reason. He might as well be killing innocent civilians. There's no yeah. huge cause that he's after. Yeah, he's just sort of, you know, this... A hurricane that just blazes through and i i think they do actually a pretty good job of showing that yeah he's a hurricane and everything dies around him sure and by the end he's sort of depressed about it but it isn't i mean it's too late to do anything about it yeah. like all of his friends are dead and yeah it is kind of an interesting look like yeah you're right they are kind of judging the morality of it because they have this this sort of cautionary tale of there's this like boy that reads about him in like penny dreadfuls or whatever <laughs> right. like obsessed with billy the kid and he joins the gang and and even even uh, emilio estevez is like what you really want to get shot at and just like p- possibly you know hanged and like just be on the run your whole life and he's like yeah He's like, hot damn, kid. Like, yeah. welcome on board. Hot diggity dog. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah. And the kid does, like, basically jack shit for an hour and t- until he is, like, killed accidentally. Because it's, it's uh, Pat Garrett thinks he's shooting at, like, Billy the Kid. Right. They cross Pat. Like, you know, they, they cross silhouettes and, and Pat right. Garrett takes a shot at Billy <laughs> and hits the kid instead. And I had forgotten. I mean, I remember when I saw it was played by Balthazar Getty, a very young Balthazar Getty. Um, and I remembered when he popped up in the movie, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I think he dies at the end. And I had forgotten like how he dies and how kind of drawn out it is. Sure. Cause they shoot him and he's still alive and dying badly. And Viggo Mortensen is in yeah. the movie as like a thug. Oh, that, and, yeah. This movie is like star studded. Yeah, actually, like, every, there was a ton of people in yeah, it. Yeah. Every side character was like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, that girl. Yep. Oh, that guy. It's like, holy shit, Viggo Mortensen. Holy shit, fucking James Colburn. Yeah. Just up in there. Like, yeah. For, actually, that's a scene. You know what's fucked up is like, so they had this scene with James Colburn where they roll in and they're like, hey, man, you owe us some money. Uh, you were buddies with the guy that, you know, was our friend that got killed the last right. movie. How about you cough it up? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> In a very covert yeah. way. Not only will I not cough it up, I'm going to kill every last one of you. Yeah. And th- But then they do this whole thing of like, all right, I'm going to kill a guy for every five bucks you owe me. And there's this actually very funny scene where he like, 
uh, Billy the Kid puts his uh, pistol out on the ground and is like, all right, I bet you you can't kill me. Like, as I go for it, you think you can do it? And he's like, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> he's like, all right, one, two, three. And then he just says like, yo, Christian Slater, blow this fucker away. And like, Christian Slater just smokes a guy. That, that was It's really sort of like funny. a variant on the Butch and Sundance scene yeah. where like one of them gets in a fight and tells the other, well, if I lose, kill the dude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But what's weird is they have this little murder standoff. They just drop two of James Colburn's guys. And then they're like, anyway, see you later, man. And then James Colbert's like, you're a dead man. I swear. And I thought they were playing him up as like he was going to become some kind of supervillain or something. Right. And then he's just like, well, see you later, Billy the Kid. Is in like one lunch scene with the governor yeah, after that. And then he's never heard from again. Yeah, I think he he looked like he did two days of shooting, took <laughs> yeah. his $10,000 and went home or whatever. It was weird. That was like, to me, that was the issue with the movie is it didn't really... I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, right. I, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. In fact, I would even say I, it pretty much held up. Like, if you're looking for just dumb young guns fun, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't want to say anything disparaging like it's bad. But but in terms of, like, plot, yeah, it's definitely lacking. Like, like it, it's sort of a movie looking for a villain. Yeah, it's well. Really. It's a, again, it's a movie looking for a thread. Really, it's just yeah, there's it's no con- all over the place. Yeah, there's no real connecting thread. Things sort of just and then and then and then this happens and then this happens there's not really a kind of like overarching plot so much or, or a motivation i mean there's sort of a motivation in that billy the kid says oh we're gonna go to mexico and it's sort of the misadventures of this crew as they're trying to get to mexico turns out billy the kid has been leading him in like every which way but mexico just to keep the gang alive and just getting everybody killed along the way so, but there's again. That's it's almost even, like Billy the Kid is like the villain in a way. Yeah, like him and his craziness. Right. Which is I, again, I, I admire them kind of trying for something different because they could have just done like a straight up like, hey, the Murphy Boys are back. And, right. You know, the Lincoln War continues, and they, <laughs> and you know they obviously. You know, I kind of could have gone for that to be honest. Like, well, maybe that would have been kind of great. But it was interesting that, you know, it was the same writer, a different director, so, which is, I think, where the, the better style comes from. There's a lot, you know, oh, the yeah. camera work's a lot more slick and Well, it's things like they return to Lincoln County and it looks like a real fucking set with like <laughs> 20 right. buildings. Like in the first movie, they're like, welcome to Lincoln. And it was literally looked like you were at Six Flags. Like it, it was like <laughs> real shitty. There was like one bar right, and one, like one outhouse. Right. Like, that's it. Yeah. Um, and the least of this one was like, okay, like we got some production value in this thing. Right. And, and it's much better made. But yeah, so the I thought the director was uh, better. I, I mean, the, the first one was very classically directed and it was, you know, completely, uh, you know, journeyman. But this one, you could, you know, there were a lot of cool shots and a lot of, you know, again, style to it. But it was the same writer as the first one. And I get the feeling that he was very like invested in like, again, the historical value of whatever was right. going on. So he was trying to tell uh, vaguely the tale of Billy the Kid, even if it's just, you know, if it's kind of a tall tale. Uh, and it, it seemed like he was like, okay, I already kind of examined them as good guys. Now what's it like to make them the bad guys? Sure. And and I think that was actually really interesting. And I think it's in a lot of ways more clever than the first one because the first one's kind of straightforward. And this one has a lot more like kind of turns to it. It's just that the turns don't really add up to much. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's actually, you're right. Like, uh, there are a lot of cool turns, and it's really building very well. Like, I'd say most of the movie's quite good. I think where it sort of falls a little flat is the very ending. Right. I guess in in keeping it ambiguous. So, so I, I guess to explain briefly, like, we were talking about, oh, he's this old man at the beginning of the movie. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know. He doesn't actually say I'm a dead man or whatever. He's basically just claiming to be Billy the Kid. 
Yeah. And so one would hope when you open the movie with this guy uh, that there'd be some sort of resolution to that. But I guess, like you said, if, if they're really into history, you mentioned earlier that like there was this is sort of based on a real thing that a real guy came out of the woodwork and said he was Billy the Kid. And it right. was sort of like a, a questioned whether he was or not. And like the movie basically gets to the end, has the scene where Billy the Kid is going to be killed by Pat Garrett. Pat Garrett, he's got his back to him and the whole right. thing. And they have this very emotional scene and Pat Garrett raises his gun. And then they have this very like low angle shot on the gun that goes off, but looks like it's pointing at the sky practically. <laughs> like it's incredibly ambiguous right. as to like where it's aimed. And then they don't show a body or shit. They just like, okay, maybe he was shot. Maybe he wasn't. And then the credits just roll. Well, and then Pat Garrett's horse disappears and Billy the Kid had claimed, I never oh, steal right. a horse from anybody I didn't right. like. So they had a little wrinkle of like, oh, maybe he got away. Ooh. And then in this sort of end crawl where they're showing stuff, they're sort of like, yeah, it was neither, neither confirmed nor, nor denied, you know, that this guy was necessarily Billy the Kid. And it just started, it, it honestly left me just wanting a bit of like, right. well, this doesn't feel resolved. It just kind of feels like <laughs> open and, and yeah, just like there. you said, it just kind of felt like it ended. You know, the end of Young Guns 1, there was a giant gunfight. And in this one, there was kind of a gunfight between Pat Garrett's posse and Billy the Kid's posse. You just don't realize it's the end gunfight because, right? Yeah, you know, it's there's still this sense of like, oh well, they're kind of getting away, and you know, well, Doc dies sure. and Chavez yeah, yeah, gets shot yeah. up. Also, not to mention like the two of the remaining three Rough Riders get gunned down by Pat <laughs> right. Curtis gang. Which, by the way, I don't know what I was smoking with this whole like. Kiefer Sutherland is in a coffin and he, and he pops out guns <laughs> yeah. blazing. I guess I got the coffin part right because he basically just gets killed because he ends up in one. But that there's nothing else beyond that. So I, that must be another movie or there's something. I don't be, know yeah. what I was talking about. Th this shows you like human memories shit because yeah. I don't remember. But like it's to probably me, like some Django movie or whatever. <laughs> right. But like it, it, I think that the problem with that fight or not problem, I think but it's very it is the last kind of big battle. But in a, in a normal movie, like two of his buddies get dropped, right? And the normal narrative would be like, "All right, well now I like these were my bo uh, pals. Pals where it was written on his fucking tombstone. Right. Pals, like <laughs> like they are the boys. They get dropped, and Billy the Kid's just kind of like, "Yeah, I'm gonna hang out in at the fort." Yeah, he kind of goes into that's a depression, it. and that's the end of it. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, like the man I know and have seen these movies would be like out for blood. Like right. you see Pat Garrett, and he, that man's dead two seconds later. Like, yeah. And so I, I think that's what was sort of strange about it was it, you, you didn't know it was like the end. Really. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is like that gunfight was going on, and I was like a hundred percent on board. And then like it ends, and they kind of get away, and it seems like okay, they're building to a final confrontation now, and who knows how, where this will go. And then you kind of realize, oh. The, the final confrontation is two dudes in a room, you know, and one's got a gun and one doesn't and right. one's, you know, you know, a and legend a, and, and a lot of know. ambiguity. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It, yeah. It's almost like if you could take the plot and story beats of the first movie and then take the production value and like directing and soundtrack and everything to the second movie. Right. And make them somehow the one movie. It would be like an incredibly great movie. <laughs> be the most amazing movie ever. Yeah, but it, it's sort of like the first one's plot-wise is awesome, and then production-wise is kind of like low rent. Right. And then the second one is like really great production value and super fun to watch, but like plot-wise is a little thin. Yeah. Speaking of score, uh, you noted uh, Alan Silvestri, who is a very famous uh, Hollywood composer, 
Uh, he did the score for this one, but we're listening to it, and it sounds yeah. virtually identical to his Predator score. Well, not not all of it, but, not all but of the, it, but in certain particular instances. the like Pat Garrett is on the hunt, like sweet, right? Just <laughs> just literally was that like, and I was like, wait a minute, like, and it just sounded like Predator, right? And I don't think it's literally that. Like, I think it's that classic thing of, like, maybe they were using it as the Tim track or something. Right. <laughs> and Alice Sebastian's like, well, okay, whatever. Like, whatever. Well, it's, this is close enough. Paycheck. Yeah. But I know, I mean, because I've seen Predator a billion times. Right. So I was just like, ah, this sounds pretty close. Right. Yeah, but, well, he he's done that thing where like Danny Elfman does, where it's like, well, it's kind of different, do, 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 do. and it's vaguely it's it's more like that vanilla the same. ice thing. Like, no, ours is da 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 da. Right? There's an extra <laughs> it's little totally ding. different, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> but uh, to go back to the uh, the kid dying, the interesting thing was for me that um, when the kid's dying, I had forgotten how I felt at the time, and for whatever reason, just like seeing it again. Like, it just really brought back that sense of, like, me seeing it in the audience the first time when uh, Balthazar Getty died. Mm-hmm. And I, it really spooked the shit out of me, especially Viggo Mortensen, because he's really cold about it. Like, oh, yeah. the kid's lying there dying, spitting up blood. Pat Garrett's kind of feeling bad about it, even though, you know, the kid was riding with outlaws. And Viggo Mortensen just looks at him kind of, you know, half, gives him a half glare and is like, take your medicine, boy. Right. And, and I remember as a kid, that really fucking with me. Like, yeah. it didn't fuck with me as much tonight, but I remember the feeling of, like, a teenager going, like, that's fucked up. How would you say that to a kid dying? <laughs> now, right. I was probably around the age the kid was when he sure. was dying, so I was, like... It apparently like, left no impression on me, because <laughs> I had no memory of his character, his death, like, whatever. But yeah. that's another instance where, like, Viggo Mortensen's a piece of shit in the movie, and in any normal-ass movie, that guy would get his. Like, like there's he would yeah. be gone down. Did he even die in the nope. movie? No, like, he just disappeared. Yeah. yeah, James Colmer is just swiggle, swiggling brandy around, no problem. Like, all the bad guys, like the governor, everyone, everyone who was, like, a piece of shit... Yeah, just sort of fine. lived. <laughs> yeah, he like especially in the like the last movie, he doubles back for Jack Palance completely unnecessarily and <laughs> gets this sniper shot off and is like, right. "Now we're done." Like, right. could not be more definitively like <laughs> sign seal delivered. Right. And this one's just kind of like, I guess we're done. I don't know. I guess I'm going home now. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about it till now. But Viggo Mortensen, who they set up quite a bit. And who just, like you say, never gets his. He just... Yeah, he might as well be, like, twiddling a mustache. <laughs> like, he's that villainous. <laughs> like, he's so obviously a villain. Yeah. No repercussion. It's uh, And also going back to, like, how many actors were in this that we... I mean, okay, so we had Viggo Mortensen. Oh, my we had goodness. James so Coburn. Oh, you had Bradley Whitford. Who, uh, the, the, I'm so bad with names. The lawyer. Who, oh, yes. On the West yes, Wing. Yes. Who's on the West Wing, amongst other things. Yeah, a real young, uh. You had he, a fucking Cameron from, uh, Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Was like a farmer turned gunman. And he was great. I liked, that was one of those things that I meant when, you know, this is clever. Like, the whole thing is everybody in the, in the outlaw gang has a name, like, you know, Billy the Kid and Doc right. and. Um, he comes in begging Billy the Kid to give him a, a cool name, and Billy won't do it until he's proved himself. And then at the end, he's like, you're going to be named Buckshot George. And Henry's <laughs> like, my name's Henry French. And then everybody cries, and it's real sad because he kept his own name because he's tired of all the killing. Yeah. But it's just, again, just like it. clever like uh, uses of character. I think I feel like 
the characters of this were a little bit more defined than the first one, strangely. Sure. I mean, because I felt like, oh, I know this Henry guy a little bit better. I, I know the kid, kind of. I mean, I, I'm speaking, you know, I, now that I'm saying it, it's like, yeah, I know him, kind of. And I, <laughs> and I kind of knew, you know, Dirty Dave or whatever. <laughs> I mean, did we really? I, I, we, we knew he was a racist. That's about <laughs> all I had. And Christian Slater picked up that torch and was just carrying sure that. Did. He might as well have just been the exact same character. I mean, pretty much. Except like, for no chaw and his whole thing was like i'm the leader of this gang and, right you know a bigger ego than billy's but yeah, his whole thing was like why am i not famous <laughs> like that was basically it yeah and to stick his knife in chavez's arm um yes yeah that, but it, you see what i mean right where it's like christian slater was like oh i guess he's got a couple weeks off in between movies let's put him in this <laughs> right. i mean he figures in the entire sure. movie so it's a little more than well, just he's, like he's kind of unceremoniously just goes like i'm going to mexico and is gone right and then at the end of the movie it's like yeah he was beheaded yeah he got beheaded. whatever <laughs> <laughs> sort of okay yeah <laughs> seems like a big deal i don't know yeah yeah although um, i i forgot that both uh chavez and doc got it like that that actually was kind of I, I don't know why i didn't remember that yeah but that big scene we were talking about where they get both get gunned down i was legit kind of sad yeah especially with doc because i feel like i feel like keeper sutherland was a much better defined and more interesting character in the first movie right i mean granted it's like paper thin with his <laughs> like you know his ridiculous love plot but but even that is like okay i got something to like right. latch on this movie, all he had was like, I'm a teacher. Oh, no, the law's after me. Oh, they bust me out of jail. I don't want to be in the gang. Oh, wait, I got nowhere else to go. Okay, I'm in. Right. And then he like bitches and moans the entire movie, does nothing really cool. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm out of here. And then he gets shot. Right. And it's like, oh, man, like this is the same guy that like in the first movie was this incredible badass, you know, right. guns a blazing with his like Chinese girlfriend next to him. <laughs> Uh, I sort of missed that doc, and yeah. so I don't know. They must have. I mean, either they had decided like, okay, Kiefer and you know Lou Diamond are not coming back for a third movie if we decide to do one. They sort <laughs> right. of like closed the book on everybody in this gang who had who we knew from the first one. When in real life, those guys apparently survived to be old men. They lived into their nineties, <laughs> right? And it's, so they you know they change history. It, it, to definitively close the book to be like okay this you know the, i don't know if they were saying to themselves okay this movie series is over we're we're done and we know it or if they were just like and eh, we'll figure it out when we get to young guns <laughs> three we don't give too much of a shit it's just <laughs> it's an interesting decision to be like well we got to kill somebody well yeah, do we want I mean, to kill ferris bueller's friend maybe. nah i mean maybe it's a no like because imagine if they don't get killed then like man that movie's really not ending with much of anything yeah so no. maybe they felt like they needed some stakes to kind of yeah see that's true deal. and even in killing them off it renders the end of the first one completely incorrect right because <laughs> yeah, like keeper sutherland is like giving the lowdown in the end credits of the first one of the history of everybody right uh, here's so, where everybody uh, lived and everybody maybe died. Maybe his angel was the one speaking, yeah, I guess. Maybe. But part of the resolution of that movie was that he said he describes, okay, William Bonnie gets killed by Pat Garrett. You know, he's buried in this cemetery. And then somebody, and it looked like Chavez, snuck into the cemetery and, and carved <laughs> something on the, right. the tombstone. And it said pals. So there's the hint that Chavez outlived him when 
It was Pat Garrett. Yeah, he just... (laughs) Oh, that's true. Pat Garrett did it. That's that's the only one who could have, right? Everyone else is dead. I was going to say, everybody else is... No, it's James Coburn. Oh, there (laughs) (laughs) He sneaked into the cemetery. I told you I was going to outlive you, (laughs) goddamn boys. (laughs) Uh, So I know we're kind of ragging on the movie a little bit, but there there was a few sequences I thought were pretty pretty great. Yeah, Um, for sure. I, I think the best sort of sequence in the entire movie is... There's the bust out of Chavez and Doc because uh, yeah. they're being held and and essentially they're they're in Lincoln and then what's supposed to be like a hangman gang shows up yeah, like like up. vigilante justice rolls in and the deputy's this piece of shit that's like oh I surrender like put my hands up and he's got an appointed time to meet them and everything <laughs> like like it's just horribly corrupt and he knows they're gonna get uh, killed. And they do this great sequence where, like, it's Billy the Kid and his gang are fake out, like, henchmen. Right. That are, in fact, rescuing their friends. Right. And it leads to this great standoff where, like, the real... Well, first of all, they they get away with it. Like, they trick (laughs) them, and they could have just left. Right. But Billy the Kid, being Billy the Kid, like, 20 feet away from the guys he just tricks, like, whips off his... uh, They almost have, like, clan hoods on. Yeah, they got, like, Jason masks on. Yeah. He takes it all right from from part two. Yeah, probably. Jason Hoods. <laughs> uh, he just whips it off. Is like, yeah, we're your buddies. And of course, the deputy's like, wait a minute, that's not them. And then at the exact same moment, a posse of like thirty fucking the hangman yeah, like the real around Lynch in the corner. Shows up. Yeah, and they even have a funny line where he's like, "Man, uh, you really brought a lot of boys." And then he's like, "That's not my guys." Oh shit! And there's just antics like where they're running around. I think the most notable part is. Um, there's two henchmen that are looking for them and a third runs up and they're like, where'd they go? And he's like, they're over there. And then they turn around and as they're turning around, like guns up, the guy just shoots him and Billy Kid whips his, <laughs> off whips his like, mask off. Right? <laughs> Suckers. You know? Yeah. Like that whole bit I thought was, was really entertaining. And I, oh, there was a part where the, um, one of the houses catches fire and then uh, Billy the Kid or one of his gang throws a box of bullets into the fire. Yes. And they just start, you know, the heat just shoots them off. And so everybody's like, they're oh, shooting from all over the place. I thought that was clever. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot. Again, there was a lot of stuff in this movie that I thought was clever, and I thought it was well executed. And I, again, the morality questions it raised were interesting. But I agree with you. I think this movie isn't ultimately as good as the first one. Like you say, if you could mix and match the two to get the perfect uh, final young guns, right. ultimate young guns. Oh yeah, uh, I should also mention there was a kind of a standout character. Um, there's this like uh, brothel woman that they oh, go right. visit. Uh, they, they, I guess they're laying low and they go to this town that literally has a sign that like scum are not to be tolerated <laughs> right. or something, which is kind of funny. And uh, they come in yet somehow there's this like whorehouse right, right in the <laughs> middle of town. <laughs> it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Well, it's one of those where it's like <laughs> hidden in plain sight where it's sure. like, oh, my ladies, my doves live here. Yeah. But there's this uh, like woman who just plays this part of this uh, brothel mistress who's kind of like sweet on billy the kid and she has this great scene with like pat garrett comes in and they're talking about like hey remember that time we had an orgy and like <laughs> shut, shut the the blinds and like went fucking frolicky free like wasn't that a great time and yeah. she's like yeah that was a good time and man you really made me hot but guess what like i don't open my pants for the law now you fucker like get out basically and then then pat garrett's so like hurt by this moment that he just goes like yeah, fair enough. And then, well, he the first ver- he says, "Well, I don't truck. I'm the law, so I don't oh, truck right. with whores no more." Whores. So ain't we? What does he say? So ain't we both just please? Yeah, ain't we both just please with each other or something like that? 
And then he like breaks a bottle and just starts throwing alcohol all over the place, lights up the place with a match. And then it's just like, this is a house of ill repute and I'm burning this shithole to the ground. And then this woman like takes it upon herself to like leave and make this big statement where she takes all her clothes off and then just walks out butt ass naked in front of the town, mounts her horse and then just rides off like what? And and I, I don't know, freezes to death. Yeah, and then, yeah, hits the desert and freezes to death, apparently. Yeah. But uh, as soon as that scene started, it really triggered in my brain because I was like, oh, right. <laughs> I remember this scene when I was a kid. Right. Because this woman walks out and they show her bare ass. Right. And she gets on and, you know, she's very attractive and stuff. And I, I remember and I even joked while we we're watching the movie, like I remember the whole family's watching the movie. And there's been hours of just brutal murder. Like <laughs> people getting shot yeah, left fucking and right. like knife through the arm, like people's brains getting blown out, just everything. <laughs> Nary an issue, like all the children like <laughs> fucking gather around, everyone's holding hands, like it's great. This one scene happens where this prostitute walks out and shows her ass. And I remember like my grandparents and some of my aunts and uncles were like, oh, I don't know if like maybe we should turn this off. (laughs) I don't know if the kids should be watching this movie. Like that was the reaction. Yeah. And it's just it really shows like how insane that our country can be about that kind of stuff. Because like, oh, a woman's ass. Like, oh, how dare we? Yeah. We've seen people brutally murdered. But a 14 year old boy gets gunned down like totally fine. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. But a lady's naked. But what are we supposed (laughs) to do with this? This that being said, I, re- I remembered that part. <laughs> well, I remember that <laughs> So I was like, hello, too. yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, when we first started talking about this movie, I, I sort of proclaimed like, oh, I think it still holds up. It was a lot of fun. But now that we've sort of talked it out, uh-huh. I, I might have to like sway a little bit. Like well, now right. that I'm really thinking about it, I certainly in, in terms of my childhood, like reverence for the movie, I don't think it holds up to that Sure, to, to sort of like the glory that I bestowed upon it. But oddly enough, that title I think can <laughs> shift over to the first movie, <laughs> which I've never seen, That's but awesome. like loved the shit out of watching. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Like I, you know, I maybe I'd say if you take, if we're judging young guns one and two as a whole, I'd say holds up. Okay. But if we're taking them individually, I'd say Young Guns 1 holds up, and I'd say Young Guns 2 maybe doesn't. But, like, it's close. Right. I think as a pair, I'd say they hold up. Yeah. Um, the first one, I would say, holds up, though not as much as I would have thought before we watched it yesterday. I really liked it, but I also uh, I gave it, like, sort of the in my mind, the production sheen that Young Guns 2 had right. in my memory. Yeah. Um, so I, I say it holds up, but barely. And I will say Young Guns 2 holds up because I was not expect. I mean, I was expecting it to hold up like, yeah, this is great and fun and people getting shot and blah, blah. But it actually, like, made me think a little bit more while I was watching it and made me, and especially right. like, oh, this is actually, again, stylistically a, a far better movie. So I actually give it that and I give them points for trying something different so i'm gonna say it holds up uh perhaps barely but i'm gonna i'll give it a a soft holds up i gotta and i understand how this sounds but i gotta (laughs) say that makes me think more was not what i was looking for (laughs) in the movie i i i'm gonna be perfectly honest like well here's the thing again i came to this as a guy who uh, you know when i saw the first young guns i hadn't really been into westerns as i discussed in the last part and, you know, and then this movie comes out and I'm like, well, I like Young Guns, so I like this one. This is sort of, a, you know, again, this is the gateway into like Westerns of like more questionable morality and, and bigger sort of, 
uh, questions of life and death and what does it mean right. to be an American and, you know, what does it mean to take a person's life? So, I mean, again, it's sort of, you know, Western 101 or Fisher Price Western, but I, I, <laughs> I give it that as far my, as my first Western. Yeah, yeah. Fisher Price, my first Western. But <laughs> as far as that goes, I think it's a fairly good example of it because I've seen some dog shit Westerns also. Sure, sure. And this one, you know, stands on, you know, it can proudly stand up and say, hey, we aimed for this and we got it. Now, maybe what this was was, again, just to be MTV Cowboys. Sure. But I, you know what? I stand behind it. It, it decided it wanted to be a thing. It matched its own tone. It didn't repeat itself the second time, maybe to its detriment when it could have and very easily gotten away with it. But I feel like, well, they tried something. You know, there's obviously like the the cash grab aspect. I'm sure it was very cynical when they, you know, decided to make it. Oh, yeah. But they at least aimed for something higher. So, and again, I, I liked it more than I thought I would as a... Uh, as a you know morality western so i i, I yeah, again maybe it barely holds up but i'll still vote for sure. it to hold up all right so uh it looks like we got hold ups for almost all <laughs> yeah i mean i it's a pretty so i don't want to I, I think what i mean by it doesn't hold up is is like to my inflated insane childhood memory right. of like this is the greatest film ever <laughs> that's an impossible like thing to live up to so like if i'm being honest like uh, no it wasn't as good as when i was fucking 12 or right. you know whatever but like still pretty good yeah. Well, and for me, better than I would have given it credit for, even though I was going in looking for a good time. I was like, oh, because I again, I remembered it as sort of like, yeah, this is a cash grab, but I love it anyway. And I was like, oh, it's a little more than that. So I'm satisfied. Absolutely. Yeah, John, maybe we should talk about what we're doing next month. Oh, next month we are doing our first animated movie. Oh, uh, we are going to dig deep into my childhood. You had your house guest. All right. The thing that uh, you loved as a child. Still do. Uh, good Hold, for you. Checks out. Holds up scientifically. End of story. No, no well, discussion. You're about to get uh, <laughs> your chance to tear apart my childhood. We are going to be doing Transformers, the movie. The animated movie. Not the Michael Bay movie. <laughs> the movie that was a cash grab for the toys back in the 80s. Yes. The Orson Welles classic. The Orson Welles, <laughs> Judd Nelson classic. Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy, <laughs> Robert Stack. You got the Dutch. Oh, it's going to be amazing. You got the power. You're going to love it, folks. So uh, make sure to tune in next time, next month. Until then, please feel free to write us at any of our uh, many, many arms of social media. You can go to holduppodcast.com, and uh, there you'll find connections to our email facebook page our twitter account i don't know probably a, you can take a polaroid or something i have no idea um <laughs> you can go to uh any of our social media sites at uh twitter instagram or whatever else we've got and just type in hold up podcast and there we are or you can email us at hold up podcast at gmail.com let us know what you think of the young guns saga I would like to hear uh, somebody chime in and tell us that we're uh, just stupid old men remembering uh, crazy boyhoods. <laughs> if you've actually ever seen Young Guns or Young Guns 2, <laughs> let us know. And so we're not necessarily the only ones on Earth. I feel like we might be. We're starting the cult back up. I'm telling you, <laughs> Young happening. Guns is coming back. I know. I showed Trevor the trailer. He, he looked excited. Oh. I, I was trying to spread the virus. We'll see. <laughs> Old men watching young guns. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We had a great time with our double episode. Until next time, nobody move, nobody gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs>